Welcome, White Sox fans, to another edition of White Sox Daily Live. Here are your hosts, Ian Eskridge and Danny Miller. Well, thank you, big voice. Yeah. How you guys doing tonight? My name is Ian Eskridge. Here tonight, I am joined by my associate podcaster, my director of streaming, and my coordinator of dudeness. <laughs> How you doing, Danny? Good to see you. I'm doing fantastic, man. It is a pleasure to see you this evening. Uh, looking forward to uh, getting into some, you know, off-season White Sox news here. Uh, you know, some of it good, some of it bad, some of it somewhere in the middle. Uh, you know, I think uh, I think we're going to have a lot of fun tonight, man. What do you think? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, there, you know, there's of course the um, cloud hanging overhead after the White Sox let Jason Benetti walk out the door. Uh, we will get to that in just a moment. We also have. Oh, please! Uh, I can't wait to get into that. The forty man conversation, um, which, I mean, it's not really much of a conversation, um, but uh, you know. There's, you know, of course, some things to talk about, but um, now front office has got to turn their homework in tomorrow. Yeah, by five o'clock Central Standard Time. Yeah, I, you know what? I I, I figure that uh, I would get some uh, crazy comments like that, especially <laughs> from one of my best friends. So, you know, it works uh, for those of you listening on the podcast. It says you looked better with the lights off, so uh, that's what we're dealing with yeah. tonight. And uh, Donuts 33 happens to be uh, a very, very good and close friend of mine and a uh, friend of the show here. Yeah. Uh, Mark, Mr. Mark Orr has done some uh, some work with uh, White Sox Daily in the past. So, you know, I guess I'll take that from him. The rest of you clowns, hit me with your best shot. Let's go. <laughs> um, so uh, the White Sox let Jason Benetti walk out the door and sign a multi-year dealer with division rivals, the Detroit Tigers. Um, Toilet. Yeah. This is a new one, and I, I quite enjoy it. You know, I'm there. I there there are uh, quite a few ways to look at this whole thing, um, and none of them are good for the White Sox. None of them. I mean, like no, the, the, the optics no, no. on on every viewpoint that you could take on this. Mm are all bad. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and hit you with a couple of things. Um, so, you know, as Jason Benetti has been working the last few years, um, you've seen him take more and more uh, outside gigs during the baseball season. Um you know he's getting hired by NBC Sports uh, to do, or or Peacock, if you will, to do you know Sunday morning games. He's doing NFL games for Fox. He's doing college basketball. He's doing college football. And every single time he shows up to one of these gigs, uh, very well informed and very professional. And um, the White Sox, it, I've heard. Several different reasons for it, um, whether it be that they don't like the fact that he's taking off more and more time to go and do other gigs. Uh, and then I've also heard that Jerry Reinsdorf doesn't find his broadcast to be entertaining. 
Um, what's what is what are your thoughts on this? Are are you uh, are are you in the? Uh, you are entertained by Jason Benetti, no? One thousand percent, absolutely, no question that I find uh, Jason's brand of broadcasting. Uh, I, it's just a breath of fresh air, especially to me, in my opinion, on the south side. And I know a lot of people are going to kind of poo-poo on me for this because, you know, Falk had such a huge following. Uh, but, you know, don't get me wrong. I, I didn't mind Hawk. But it was just more of the same with him over and over again. Uh, he Nothing ever really changed except maybe looking for that new catchphrase. Which I mean, the guy had like four billion of them by the time he was gone, and uh, you know, got to the point where enough was enough. So, yeah, he did make some slog games intolerable. But you know, I mean, tolerable. the thing is, I'm sorry, tolerable. Pardon me. Yeah. Speaking of Jason, not Hawk, I'm assuming. Yeah, certainly uh, because that, those uh, ten minute silences from Hawk uh, during those tough games was. Uh, I mean, it was humorous at at first, but I mean, as as it went on from year to year, it kind of became. Yeah, well, and that was the thing, you know, during a great game, Hawk would find a way to go on some tangent for 10 minutes about something with, I don't know, Carl Yastrzemski, me and Yaz, me and Yaz, like they were best friends. Uh, you know, he had a story to tell during a, a great game where I would rather hear much more about what's going on in the field with the White Sox, but instead he's talking about yes. Uh, and then you get these bad games where now is the time to fill the air, the dead air with, uh, you know, something stupid to uh, kill some time. And he'd sit there and do nothing. So I, I know that, you know, a lot, like I said, a lot of people are going to hate on me for saying this, but I got tired of him at the end. Jason came in. Jason kind of ushered in uh, an era of smart baseball talk kind of changing with the game, you know, as we have talked about, and we are fans of here at White Sox daily live, the game of baseball has changed and it's become more of a numbers game. than It has ever been in the past. Jason was into that thing. He, he was into the stats. He liked the peripherals. He liked to get into, you know, the science of things. But the biggest thing that Jason did for me, was he made Steve Stone better. And I liked Steve Stone as a broadcaster already. A lot of people say, ah, you need a good guy to pull things out of Steve Stone. Uh, Steve Stone is was a student of the game, right? I mean, the guy played and pitched well for many, many moons. And he knows the game inside and out. And it's it's apparent that he does. Jason was able to draw the knowledge that Steve Stone possesses and he, he was able to draw it out and make the broadcast that much better so yeah i'm i'm of the opinion that this is a huge loss for the white Sox, and i'll even take this a step further and i'm not going to mention any names but there was a contingent of you know white Sox twitter white Sox x people out there saying you know after hearing everybody complain about jason go saying this is the straw that, that broke the camel's back. This is why you're done with the White Sox. And I, I hate me for saying this too, but I feel like that's a little bit of virtue signaling because 
it's not that Jason leaving was the straw that broke the camel's back. It's just the continual punching that White Sox fans are taking. We feel like we're getting kicked in the face left and right here lately. So, yeah, there's not a lot to be happy about. And when the one thing that, that many of us felt like we still had to hold on to was gone, uh, it was it was worth many people out there, you know, airing their grievances with that move. So, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't tell people how to fan. Don't tell me how to feel when uh, when we get rid of somebody that I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed. That's all I'm saying. So. Yeah. I, no, I'm right there with you. I mean, uh, that's, you know, when you talk about Jason Benetti making Stone better, um, I don't know as if I necessarily say that he made him better per se, um, but, you know, he certainly brought out uh, all the, the knowledge from Steve Stone. You know, I, I don't think that, I think part of the problem with Hawk and Stone was that Hawk wasn't interested in a lot of the things that Steve Stone had to say, you know, and uh, going into, uh, you know, strategy and things like that. I don't think that Hawk was like necessarily like really, (laughs) really that into it at that point. You know, I think he was kind of just, he wanted to do his thing. He's kind of, I mean, I guess you could say Hawk was kind of like where Jerry is right now. He wanted to do things his way and he didn't care what anybody else thought. You know, it was, he was going to do things his way. And that's it. That's it. You you asked for Hawk Harrelson. You got Hawk Harrelson, and you weren't going to get any growth from him. You know, you weren't going to get anything new from Hawk Harrelson. You were going to get catchphrases, and you know, I mean, I loved Hawk for years and years and years. And listening to him on games, you know, it certainly brings back some warm fuzzies. However, you know, when it came to uh, you know the growth of the game and just like my changing of the way that I look at the game, you know, I still have, you know, if I if I'm listening to Hawk, I don't have necessarily the same viewpoint, I guess, um, to a point. You know, I mean, obviously, I've I've changed the way that I think about the game, and I think I think that that made me appreciate. Benetti more because he's talking about things that I've been thinking about, you know, for the last 10 years or so, you know, as opposed to, you know, thinking about uh, things that I thought were important in like 1995, you know, Um, and you know, not that, not that those numbers don't matter and, you know, like things that he talks about don't matter. um, But it's just, you know, like you said, more of the same. You know, um, so, you know, there's there's a there, there's you know, I don't know if you've been paying attention to Twitter, but uh, Beef Loaf has had some very spirited uh, Twitter conversations uh, about Jason Bonetti leaving and people, you know, arguing one way or the other. Um, and, you know, one of the things that he said that I agree with is that, you know, he had another year on the deal and he decided that he was going to. Um, you know, they allowed him to go out and sign a multi-year deal with the Tigers and their deal with him allows him the ability to go out and do less baseball games and do more national things uh, as part, you know, as terms of his contract. And I think that that is obviously a, a big deal for him. Um, One thing that that got me thinking about 
was these kind of like, uh, I mean, I don't want to say it like this, but I'll say it like this anyway, uh, these scab games that we have in the booth over the last couple of years where, you know, you've got Gordon in there or you, I mean, sometimes you don't have either Stone or Benetti in the booth because Stone's staying home or he's on vacation or whatever because he's taking time off to do whatever it is that he likes to do or taking, you know, taking yeah, time to Yeah, he was doing less and less road games for sure. Yeah, so, you know, I I can see it from the White Sox point of view in this side that the more games that Benetti misses and the more games that Steve Stone miss, when those don't align properly and you've got both of them out of the booth for, I don't know, like a week or something, that makes for a lot of bad play-by-play and color commentary from your team when you've got two guys that aren't used to working together. I mean, you know, like Connor McKnight does, does fine, you know, um, you know, he's not that like who I would rather, who I'd like to have every single game, uh, unless that was like his gig and he did it all the time and he got kind of more comfortable and was allowed to, uh, you know, given like a little bit of, uh, leeway to kind of bring some I mean, life into things but he's a little bit of, he's a professional you know uh i'll give him that but yeah you're right i think uh there was a level of being uncomfortable and not having you know done this over and over day in and day out so yeah i'm with you on that yeah it's just like you keep on moving all these pieces around and when you're trying to come up with a consistent product for for your viewers it hurts when your guy is not there you know and it certainly hurts when both of the guys are not there you know it's like it's not even like steve's you know steve stone is working with uh, a random dude because sometimes steve stone's not even there and you've got like gordon beckham and some you know rando you know just like yeah. guys that you you're like okay you know, and they Have, just, I mean, there's been a handful of times in the 2023 season where I'm like, I don't even know who this cat is, where he comes 100%. from, what he does, what his background is. You know, uh, is he even a Chicago guy? Does he know anything about the White Sox? And there were times where I felt like, man, whoever this is doesn't know anything about the White Sox. We heard a couple of guys, and I wish I could remember the guy's name now. We heard one guy. I mean, he was getting the names wrong on our side half the game. And I'm like, you know, come on, let's, we have to do better, especially when the product on the field is so bad. Give me, uh, you know, a broadcast team that's at least entertaining to kind of make up and fill that void when you're watching some really horrendous baseball. Yeah. And that's like, that's another thing, you know, it's like, I was, I'm, I'm, I was worried that, you know, Benetti at some point was just going to go, you know what? This franchise is such a train wreck. I don't want to have anything to do with it anymore. And that might have played a part in his decision, regardless of what's going on with his contract negotiations and them not wanting to talk to his agent. To be honest with you, how do how do we know that's not exactly what happened? Honestly, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, maybe it was leaked to him that Jerry Reinsdorf was not a fan of. Jason's brand of humor that he didn't find him funny, like all the reports out there are saying. And if I'm Jason Benetti and I catch wind of that, I'm going, you know what? 
my star is rising I'm involved on national broadcasts in, you know, 47 other sports. I don't need you. Yep. You know, the whole world knows who I am now. Anybody who watches sports anywhere knows who I am now. I'm Jason Benetti. <laughs> yeah, I'm the guy who has a disability and wears it on his sleeve like no other and goes out there and does his job day in and day out and is loved and by a lot very of Very good at it. Extremely talented extremely talented. So what do I need the White Sox for if the White Sox don't want me? And we don't know. I mean, these are all just speculations that Jerry wasn't a, like nobody knows for sure if Jerry Brinsler came out and said, you know what? I'm just not a fan of Jason. You know, those whispers may have come from somebody credible, but you know, we don't know for sure what happened behind closed doors. We never will. But yeah. It's very possible that he just said, you know what? I'm done. I, why do I, why should I stay here? And the the kicker is, is not only are you leaving here, but you're going to a division rival in a smaller market, knowing that your star is rising. He must know something else. You know what I mean? Or maybe he's just had it. Yeah. I mean, who knows? And like, I've thought, you know, and the thing is like Len Casper, like, I think he's okay. You know, like he's not, uh, I don't have, like, any emotional attachment to Len Casper, really. You know, I mean, like, as far as, like, I look at it, you know, he's he, Cubs guy came over, you know, doing the White Sox now. And he and he's he's good at his job, don't get me wrong. But I don't have, like, that, uh, you know, like, that any emotional attachment to him, per se. Right. But, you know, I've, I've thought the same thing about him. You know, it's like, he's like, I don't want the TV job because he wants to do radio. Presumably, you know, I know he's he said that he wants to do radio and that's why he took this gig. But, you know, like when he came over here, he came over to what was supposed to be a promising team and they've just gone down the tubes. And like I've thought, how long until he's gone until he gets another radio gig where somebody, you know, appreciates what he does? You know, I mean, not that. Glenn must really enjoy his job because in his place in the organization or, you know, in the broadcast world, the White Sox, because anybody gets paired up with DJ these days is, you know, like Jason, you've got to, you've got to pull some things out. Sometimes you don't know what you're going to pull out of that, you know, out of that hat. You're not pulling a rabbit out of that hat. Sometimes you might be pulling a water buffalo out of there. So when you get in it with the DJ. Yeah, I mean, so there are like just so many different ways that you can look at it. And, you know, I think that no matter what, you know, it just boils down to this is just another reason or another way that the White Sox are taking fun away from White Sox fans. Yeah, I've seen many of posts and tweets that basically said, like, you know, the White Sox, I mean, again, I hate to do this, but to go back to Jerry Reinsdorf's comments and saying that, you know, he needed to hire Chris Getz so that we didn't have this transition and evaluation stage, which, you know, Chris Getz immediately comes out and says just a few days after that, that the first thing he needs to do is go through everything and evaluate everything. But, you know, he needed, Jerry says he needs to do this for the fans. And the only thing that he's shown since he said that is he's going to do everything that he can to piss off the fans. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's been, I I will say this, you know, at least the one thing that, that this whole, you know, of all this 
just everything that's been going on with the White Sox in the last couple of months. The one thing that it has done, it has united White Sox Twitter <laughs> in their dislike for Jerry Reinsdorf, for the most part. Like, there's nobody that's really defending him anymore. Um, everybody's kind of just like they're over it, you know. They're ready to move on to uh, greener pastures, you know. People are talking about shopping their baseball fandom to other teams until he's gone. And um, I, I can't say that I necessarily blame him. I mean, this he's pretty much made everything about this franchise miserable. Yeah, I've seen the uh, I've, I've seen the, the dollar bill words comparisons fly around like, you know, nobody's business here lately. And the comparison is a good one. Because uh, this it basically is, you know, as some somebody like myself, who's a long time lifelong hockey fan pretty much i started following hockey you know before i hit double digits in age you know what i mean and uh to go through those last few years in the early 2000s of the dollar bill era uh was kind of brutal as a hockey fan um you know the one thing that jerry hasn't done is and he won't ever do because you know then he'd be taking money out of his own pocket the one thing that he hasn't done that Dollar Bill did was uh, stop airing home games. Uh, we as White Sox fans, the one thing that we have to be lucky about is Jerry owns a, a stake in the in the broadcasting company, which airs uh, the White Sox games. So luckily for us, we will not have to endure that kind of stupidity. But, uh, the, you know, the comparison remains nonetheless. I mean, these last couple of years are just brutal. And there's no sign of any change, or is there? Because, you know, as we talk about things like White Sox fans selling off their fandom, we might be here to tell you not to jump off that bridge just yet. And I'm not going to get too deep into that right now, but I'm just going to say hang tight. There are, you know, we've gotten some whispers of some things happening in the background that there are some changes being made to the way the White Sox organization does things that sound like positives right now. Yeah. See, the, what do you think? Well, here's the. And I don't let you, I don't want to expound on that because, you know, this is uh, something I figured I would let you kind of jump into. And maybe we're not even ready to get into that portion of the show yet, or if at all. Well, I mean, I can, you know. Yeah, I guess we can get into that a little bit later. I mean, I don't think it like a lot of it's uh, super, you know, uh, sensitive our stuff. Yeah, because I, I know that uh, some of it was brought up on a podcast by a White Sox pitcher um, in uh, an interview, and it's now common knowledge because of that interview, uh, at least over at a, at another site. So I'm not going to feel bad talking about it since it's already on another site for you know in an interview over there um but um yeah there's just there's just so much stuff and, and you know like the you know we we've talked about uh the AJ Przinsky Hawk Harrelson interview where uh Hawk Harrelson said basically said that Brooks Boyer's the devil and um oh know, he's showing it too he made a, uh, a statement on the uh, on Bonetti leaving, and I, it's just uh, you know, I, I to me it's just not 
you know, he said what he said was like the, uh, you know, corporate speak, you know, way to 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 put something into uh, words, you know, that you would have from a, a corporation. He basically he basically tried to make it sound like he was letting Jason explore opportunities to grow. Yes. When in fact it didn't feel that way. It certainly And there are whispers of, you know, reasons to think that it did not go that way. Yeah. Um, More than whispers. Yeah. It's kind of one of those things that like, (laughs) I I would, you know, if it's not going to happen, but uh, you know, like if I, if I was to have a conversation with Benetti, like I would certainly want to, have some of those, you know, details if I had my, if I had my way just to, just to know what's going on. But I mean, like every single thing we've seen from the chairman's office in the last two years has been pretty much mishandled um, and is tone deaf to the fan base and doesn't seem like he actually cares about the fan experience, uh, what the fans want, um, how the fans feel about certain things, he does not care. And um, no, and I think a lot of that does come from Brooks Boyer. Well, I mean, it, it's not just Cherry. I think Brooks Boyer is uh, the architect of a lot of these things. As far as from a fan's perspective, you know, we look at, you know, I don't want to get into it. We're just—I've already talked about it. I'm not going to get into it. But you know, things like the way the tailgating has changed concessions not being quite right the way they advertise this team uh and and the way that they speak through their teeth as if fans are stupid i think a lot of that is orchestrated by brooks boyer you know um i don't know he's there there is certainly a lot of discourse from the fan base and I don't think, you know, as as long as Jerry's around and as long as Brooks Boyer's kept around that pretty much that any I, I don't expect any of it to change, you know? Um There so, it is. Yeah. So that on there. Um, sell, sell, sell. Sell, sell, sell. Uh which I absolutely have to make into a t shirt because I'm fairly certain that a lot of people would enjoy that shirt. Um I just haven't gotten around to it, I guess. I guess I'll have to uh, get on that and sort that out and get that thing out there. Um, There's some White Sox Daily merch going. Yeah, I mean, I don't even I don't even care about the White Sox Daily part of it. I just think it'd be funny to see people, uh, an army of people wearing, it. Up wearing it at the stadium. It would be really funny. Um, so uh, as an aside, uh, because you brought them up uh, – that Connor Bedard kid, he's okay. Yeah, he's not bad. It's all right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, the, the two goals that he had the other night. Uh, oh, were we just, were on trick watch, man. I mean, it's just phenomenal. Um, <laughs> I am very, very happy that he is in Chicago playing for the Blackhawks. He is a lot of fun yeah, to watch. Agreed. You know, and the Blackhawks as bad as they were last season were still uh 
they still had some moments and they still had enough fight in them that they were entertaining. Uh, and now this kid is really going to make hockey that much more watchable here in Chicago again, especially, you know, after the, the last era of just big names across the board and on every line. Uh, to see him be a play is to, <laughs> I watched him play in juniors. So, you know, I watched every highlight reel before he was announced as the Blackhawks first round, first pick overall. Um, but to see him in a Hawks uniform doing the things that he's doing this early in his career just gives me the excitement to know that he is going to be here for years to come. And he's going to give me a reason to turn on that game every night. Yeah. Fantastic stuff. Yeah. Uh, just, yeah, a joy to watch play hockey. Um, and we can only hope that, uh, you know, Luis Robert can do the same thing for the White Sox here because it's looking like he might be the only one left, it, it, you know, any day now. Yeah. Um, well, on that, um, because I, I don't want to have like a, uh, I don't, I don't want to have a marathon stream tonight. I'm just going to go no. ahead and, uh, start this conversation on the 40 man here. And, Let's um, do that. have you looked at the White Sox 40 man roster in a while? Has, have you, have no. you like, okay. No, you know why? Because I know they weren't anywhere close to 40 for the longest time. Last I looked, I think they were at like 30, not even, I don't even know if they were at 30 last time I looked at it. Uh, I mean, you know, it's, uh, you know, I haven't, I haven't looked either. Let's, let's go ahead. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 17, 17, 18, 19, 21, 22, 23, 24. All right, so there are 35 on the 40 man right now. Okay. Um and I'm going to just go through the and so there there are uh, uh the notable guys that are up for uh covering in the Rule 5 draft, uh Jake Eater, uh Matthew Thompson, um Christian Mena, Wilfred Veras. And a, a, a couple other guys, uh, Addison Coffey's there, um, and uh, I think there's one other guy, I think maybe Frazier Ellard, possibly, I can't remember, It's uh, I haven't looked at it since earlier today, but I'm just going to go ahead and start rattling off names here. All um, right. Edgar Navarro is on the 40 man. Nicholas Padilla. Johan really? Ramirez. Okay. Alex Spees. No kidding. Who, you know, I mean, I I mean, I know who these guys are. Right. <laughs> but Why? Uh, am I worried about any of these guys being poached by anybody else if we happen to not have them on the 40-man? That's a big no. I mean, not that we need the spots, per se at this point, because I mean, even if you wanted to put all four of those guys that I mentioned, uh, all five of those guys on there that I mentioned, if you wanted to put all five of those guys on the 40 man, because you were worried about somebody snatching up an Addison coffee after putting up a 29 ERA in the Arizona fall league. I mean, granted 
I'm not saying that Addison Coffee is not a good player because I do like Addison Coffee's stuff. I think he has a future. Um, I just think that he's not ready yet. Okay, and the Arizona right. Fall League, it being the longest season he's ever played in, uh, that played uh, a big role in him having some issues. However, that arm. yeah, I mean, you know, just being tired. You know, I mean, he's had a he's had a long year. You know, and. Uh, you know, is what it is. You know, like uh, he'll he'll sort himself out. I think next year. I don't I don't see him being a problem. I just you know kind of tossing it out. No, there. and that's not to say that any of the any of the names you mentioned don't have uh, a certain level of talent that can be uh, exploited or expanded upon. Uh, but anywho, continue. Yeah, uh, and I'll just I'll continue on into the uh, into the other areas here. Um, and I'm only really going to bring up uh, Gavin Sheets and Adam Hazley. You know, another two guys. You know, I, you know, we traded uh, McKinley Moore for Adam Hazley. Uh, McKinley Moore actually did get to uh, did pitch for the Phillies last year. had a, had a rough time when he got brought up, but I mean, he's also fairly young but uh adam hazley had a little bit of time as well but he also didn't do all that hot in the you know in in charlotte which is you know whatever but um yeah as a hitter in charlotte if you can't do it there you can't do it anywhere that's yeah i mean that's pretty much that's pretty much where i'm at because uh you know you look at the park factor that uh adjusts offensive numbers at that place is that anybody that puts up numbers there, like it automatically has to be, you know, more or less curtailed by about 15, 20% because everybody right. knows that the offensive numbers that get put up at that place are just absurd. And I mean, right. you know, likewise on the other side for pitching, same thing, you know, is that some guy has a, you know, a 10 ERA when he's pitching at, you know, in Charlotte, but then he goes anywhere else in the international league and he's got like a two, you know, so right. um, you know we talked about Alex Mateo's splits the other night off we did. off camera, <laughs> yeah. and uh, you know his splits, his home and away splits were something like he was like a twenty nine at home, and or no, I think it was, it was like no, a, it was it was, it was like a, a nine, it was, it was a ten and a and yeah, like a two and a two, yeah, at, on the road. So yeah, uh, really tough to uh, kind of gauge anything when you're playing in that ballpark. And I've yeah. said it before as a hitter. You know, I use the comparison of, uh, and and I don't know if you did this as a kid, but I did, was I used to go out into the park and uh, hit golf balls with an aluminum baseball bat. And that's, uh, you know, they go a long way, brother. I mean, it's kind of comparable almost. Um, <laughs> you know, like you watch like these, these more or less they look like pop-ups. And they'll land in the first first row of the bleachers in Charlotte. You know, and it's like the guys are just like slowly going back on it and slowly going back on it. And then all of a sudden they go dunk right into the wall and then it drops into the first row, you know. And, you know, that that was the whole thing about Blake Rutherford, you know, is that like I, I, I did post about him uh, having like absurd numbers for the Nats uh, farm team and then getting called up and um you know, people are like, oh, the White Sox can't develop talent, you know. And, <laughs> you know, of course he goes out and hits like 140 or something like that for the Nats in the in the majors. So it's, you know, whatever. But, um, 
if you can't if you can't run into twenty home runs in a full se- you know a full season playing every single day in Charlotte, you know unless you are a uh, Yulbert Sanchez type contact hitter with a superb glove, you got no business. Sorry. It's just right. it is what it is, you know. Like if you if you're hitting 13 home runs in 450 plate appearances in Charlotte, power's not part of your game, you know. And it you better not. have something else to fall back on because if you're only hitting that there, you're not doing anything close to that in the bigs, you know. And like and that's even guaranteed rate, you know. Like their park factor is is pretty high as well, you know. Like they're I think they had like a higher park factor than than. Uh, the Denver, you know, in Colorado. It did. The new scoreboard seems to have changed it slightly. You know, going back, that's got to be, what, five or six years now since they yeah. added that, or even longer maybe now. But it, it seems to have changed things slightly, but nothing crazy. Yeah. Uh, it's always it's always been a hitter-friendly ballpark. Yeah. No, for sure. So. But the question is, is that um, when you look at most of those power numbers that are coming up for the park factor, it's always seems to be from the other team. <laughs> at well, least, yeah, the last couple of seasons, last anyway. couple of seasons, anyway. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah, so I, I don't know. Like the as far as, far as I'm concerned, the uh, the forty man roster, there's not really, there's no hard decisions here. <laughs> you know, I mean, like the, literally, the only reason to not put a guy on the forty man if you want to at this point in time is because you don't think that there's any reason to try and protect him. I mean, that's literally it, because there, there's, there are guys that can be removed from the 40-man that are not going to make anybody blink and are certainly guys that you're probably, you know, okay, so if somebody, you know, five guys in the bullpen get injured, maybe you see a couple of those guys. But otherwise, I mean, it's this is like, this is probably like, 2018 2017 levels of 40 man roster bad as far as the white Sox go um it's yeah it's just uh man that guy i need that guy right there to do something this season you know, I'm hoping that uh, for those of you that are not watching stream that was Yohan's face bopping around in our uh in our window here um yeah man uh, it would be really nice to see him do some stuff. And, you know, with those comments from Getz the other day about him playing the outfield, him playing first base, him playing second base, um, read into that what you will, whether or not it's they're, you know, kind of trying to light a fire under him or, you know, just saying, don't expect us to have a whole lot of talent on the roster this year. I mean, you can take it a bunch of different ways um but yeah he does need to uh step up and do some things this year i think well most, you know the only reason i even see that is they must feel like they've got a third baseman that's come in and do some things defensively you know just going off uh you know what their intended direction is this year becoming you know better on the side of the ball so you know if you've got a a decent defender at third base who might be able to hit a little bit. I can. That's the only reason I can see moving Yoan because Yoan's bat hasn't been Yoan's bat in a long time. So are we trying to move him out into right field? 
because you know, you're trying he's to move him going, to first base. Because we're trying to get more per. Oh well, there you go. But you're trying to get more uh, offensive numbers out of that particular position. Well, when Yoan is having a subpar season by everybody's standards, and he's still keeping pace with Andrew Vaughn, you know. I mean, it's just a just food for thought, I guess. Um, Beef would not argue. Yeah, I mean the stats don't argue. No, they don't. Unfortunately, you know. Um, yeah. So tomorrow we find out with the uh, with the forty man, and uh, then we start talking about uh, you know what to uh, what to expect here. Um, yeah, Pete. Here's your uh, opening day, twenty twenty four, Charlotte White Sox. Be ready. Yeah. <clears throat> Uh, do you have anything else for this week? Because uh, I'm pretty pretty tapped out here. Uh, I don't think there's really too much else to talk about until we actually get some news on what's going on with uh, with the roster here. No, I you know I just wanted to you know like I said we we heard some good things uh, last week that you said has been now somewhere else. I did not catch that. I thought it uh, we're privy to uh, some new unheard information and apparently i've gotten that wrong but no no there there are definitely some things coming i mean there's uh some stuff going on in the minors uh there's going to be some uh reworking of the pitching coordinator roles and they're going to be uh you know another couple of pitching coaches and hitting coaches in manager uh somewhere in the system uh yeah, uh, the big thing that I took away from what we had heard and talked about discussed offline that uh, most folks haven't heard was that it sounds like there are going to be some numbers added to the staff. Uh, you know, I don't really want to go any further on that mentor comes out, but it just sounds like where the White Sox were lacking in some areas when it came to bots being in roles that could assist, you know, some of these guys that we've talked about in the last couple of years wearing more than one hat at their position and maybe being a little overwhelmed and uh, overstretched in their jobs. It sounds like they're going to, there's a little help on the way for that, uh, that kind of thing. But, uh, you know, like I said, we'll get into that, that more when the news comes out, but I think there are some bright spots to look forward to as a white size fan. That's what the only reason I brought up the fact that, don't jump off that bridge just yet. There, It sounds like there is a direction that might, you know, we probably won't see the result of that right off the bat, but there is a direction that sounds like it's a better direction than what we've seen over the last couple of years. Yeah, no, there, there's definitely some positive things coming. And, um, you know, I don't, you know, what, you know, I don't want to burn anybody, you know, on, on things that are happening, but there are things happening and it, they are adding some staff. Um, how much exactly? Uh, we'll find out as as time progresses here. But uh, there are definitely some good things on the way. So, yeah, that's that's really all I wanted to get at. And if you're listening, whether it be live us tonight on YouTube or Twitch or Facebook Live, or you know, if you're listening to the podcast after we drop that uh, tomorrow morning. 
just know that as well it seems this thing seems now. Uh, you know, obviously when things get to a certain point of bad, there's really nowhere to go but up. Uh, unfortunately, the socks are so bad right now that it might take a while to see the progression upwards, but there are some things happening in the background. That's really, really all I want to get at. Yeah, no, that's, that's fair. Um, yeah, I will say, like I said, you know, I'm sure that they'll probably announce those, those things within the next week or two here. And, uh, or maybe they won't. You know, they are the White Sox, and they like to uh, not tell anybody about anything, and I'm going to have to create some sort of tweet to to bring all that information out because they don't decide to make their own thing about it. But um, Or they could just completely waffle on that idea and say, you know what, nah, we're not going to go in that direction, but, you know, we shall see. No, I, I mean, see how they can at this point. Yeah, I mean, from what I've been told is that, it, that these people are already in place and they've already been doing their thing. It's just it hasn't been announced yet. So, okay. well, you know, again, a, another one of those things that's just uh, aggravating from a White Sox fan side of things, you know, where you never have any idea what the heck's going on with the team because they don't tell you, you know, and they don't think you need to know. So, and I guess in the Maybe. grand scheme of things, do we really need to know? I guess not. You know, it's not sure. crucial to my life, but uh, you know, it would be nice to know that uh, they're putting one foot in forward or one foot in front of the other and trying to progress things. You know, as a franchise, I know I know some White Sox ticket agents that would love the White Sox to come out with some positive news. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those guys right now they are getting killed. Um, uh, I can't. I don't know, you know, I I would be curious um to find out what season tickets sales look like right now and uh what the numbers are in comparison to uh even say you know 3 years ago, 4 years ago. Like I'm not even judging talking at the height of things, you know, just Right, right. <laughs> it's got to be way worse. Judging by think. some of the White Sox Twitter posts I've seen, where I've seen quite a few people start a tweet or post out by saying, as a former season ticket holder of the White Sox. So a lot of folks have come out and said, yeah, I'm not buying season tickets this year. But they have said, as a former White Sox season ticket holder. Uh, and and that. It's been quite a few posts that I've seen start out that way. Uh, I have yeah. to imagine that those numbers are down at epic proportions. Yeah, and like the you know, like you said earlier, I'm not going to tell anybody how to fan. Me yeah. neither. Um, you want to stop giving them your money? By all means, I totally get it. You know, you, you yeah. think And if you uh, want to go to the stadium and spend your money there, do that as well. Yeah, I mean, like, I just enjoy going to to the park. But, I mean, does that mean that I agree with the way that they've been doing things? Absolutely not. But, uh, no. No. Uh, but, you know, I'm not going to say that I'm not going into the games next year. Because, you know, I'll be, I'll be the first one to tell you. As soon as my buddy calls me and says, you know, we're, uh, we're doing our annual opening day thing, I'm going to tell him I'm in. Yeah. Because, you know, let's be honest, I I don't know how it is for you, but I'm passionate about about the game. And opening day has always been, it's just been a longstanding tradition between me and and friends. 
And I miss, by the time spring rolls around, we've gone to those long Chicago winters. Uh, getting out there, just to the smell the smells at the ballpark, you know, the, the grilled onions and the, you know, the hot dogs and the sausages and the, the Cubano sandwiches being, you just sizzling away over there and all those flat tops out there. That to me, it's just something. Even if it doesn't signal a White Sox winning season, it signals the beginning of better weather and summer on being on its way. And I, you know, I'm here for it, man. So. Yeah, I'll probably make it out to a few games. I don't know if I'll make it out to as many as possible or as many as I have in the past, but I'll be there. Yeah, I will be out there as well. Um, Unfortunately, uh, to uh, probably see a, uh, you know, a club that is in the middle of retooling um, because I do not expect any kind of competitive team from them next year. But, uh, you know, who knows? Well, let's take 30 seconds. Let's take 30 seconds to talk about that word retooling. Because now Bob Nightingale, with his bat phone to Jerry's office, has leaked that the White Sox are ready to rebuild. Just in the last few days. I so mean, we've been told all this time, for the last month and a half months, that we are not rebuilding. We are not rebuilding, not rebuilding. And Bob Nightingale says the White Sox front office has warmed up to the idea of rebuilding, which is why all of a sudden they're listening to offers on any of their players, except for aside Louis from Louis Strauss. Yeah, I mean that's pretty much what we said was going to happen anyway. You know, we all knew it. So again, more you know, more garbage speak from the talking heads, but we saw it, and I said it over and over again. You can call it what you want, but every single move that they had made over the last two months. Signaled rebuild. Yep. It's already in the process. I don't care what you say. It's already started and been started. So, anywho. Yeah. Like I said, just want to take a couple seconds. I don't yeah, want to no, that's fine. About it. Uh, my, uh, a friend of mine has a band, and uh, it, it the name of the band really reminds me of uh, how I feel about the White Sox right now. And the name of the band is Joy Thieves. And uh, oh goodness gracious, that's, that's pretty much where I'm at right now. Um, it's know. absolutely perfect, yeah. I mean, they just, I you know, you're into uh, industrial, you know, like uh, industrial music, that's you know, your, your cup of tea, possibly. Uh, so go ahead and give them a listen, but um, yeah, so uh, until next week, um, hopefully, we find out some something interesting. Hopefully, they uh, announce these coaching, coaching, uh changes and uh we see some movement here and uh some things to be positive about because uh right now they're certainly not giving us a whole lot to be happy about and uh be positive about so we'll see all right well uh at daily white Sox on twitter uh my name is ian eskridge uh you can find me at i eskridge on the x slash twitter uh my Director of stream podcast activities and uh, my no, that would be associate associate to the associate associate to the associate of uh, dugout coordinators uh, Danny Miller <laughs> at Danny Miller WSD. Uh, you can uh, find all of our written material and podcasts at whitesoxdaily.substack.com. Um, and uh, we have uh, a YouTube page where you can find this uh, this stream. You can also find our podcast wherever you get your podcasts. 
And uh, we just thank you for listening, watching, coming, hanging out. And uh, you guys have a great week. And we will catch you next week. Hopefully there's some good things to talk about. You guys have a great night, and we will talk to you soon. Thanks. Thanks.